great, great reminder um, in the midst of even what our country is going through. Um, today, you see, we are talking about the divided kingdom. So if you have your outline, if you would take that out. Um, it's not hard to draw comparisons, though, about feeling about a divided kingdom or divided country, really, that we have here in the United States in the middle of a storm of transition of power and all that's going to take place there. I mean, uh, on election day, with the presidential race that we have, you'll turn on your television sets and you'll see the division that's there. You'll see the blue states. You'll see the red states. You see people who are really um, saying these candidates are as polarizing as can be and has ever been. Um, really, maybe even some people calling it the divided states of America instead of the united states of America. But let me remind you, as that song talked about, we don't look to any sort of a president or a political leader or a governmental leader. We look to who? We look to God. Absolutely. He's the anchor that we hold on to in the midst of a storm, in the midst of uncertainty. But we do honor God by honoring those leaders. And so I pray that, number one, you would be people who vote and vote your biblical values Vote your uh, godly values um, in all the candidates that will be voting for this upcoming election. And let me also encourage you to be a voice of hope and to be a light in the midst of some kind of chaotic times. Uh, I want to remind you to be people of prayer. Um, be people who are not the poo-pooers or the naysayers or the negative Nellies. Be the people who, when people talk about it, say, God is in control. Amen. He is in control, and he still blesses this land. I mean, just look at what he did to Stockton. He gave us a Chick-fil-A, didn't he? How about that? Huh? Yeah. How about that? Huh? Now, I bring that up in a little bit of levity, but, but, but the ch- owner of the Chick-fil-A actually has been coming to our church for about four or five months, and um, yeah. Is she here this morning? Do I see her? No, okay. She had grand opening, and she was going to be working hours upon hours upon hours. But, but that is a Christian organization, a godly organization. In fact, she invited me to say a prayer, a blessing over the business and all the people that she was training um, in a big ceremony down at the Stockton Arena uh, this last Tuesday night. Um, and so I was blessed to do that. It, it's a Christian organization. We found out more about the leader, um, a Christian man. Um, they are closed on the Sabbath, so, you know, honoring that, keeping the Sabbath holy, um, but really trying to demonstrate godly and Christian values. And I talked with them. I, I talked with them about being a team and working together as a team, and I reminded them of John Wooden. Many of you remember that name, John Wooden, as being an excellent basketball coach for UCLA. And a number of national championships that he uh, won with UCLA, he told his players that when someone scores a basket, it's not just those two hands that are putting the ball in the basket. It's actually the whole team. It's all 10 of their hands that are coming together and putting the ball in the basket. Um, Beyond that, it's even all those who are on the bench who have practiced to bring them up to that place. We do that as a team. And so even as I was able to encourage Chick-fil-A leaders in that, I want to encourage us here in America to also be teammates. To be teammates, even if the team that we wanted to win or lose uh, come election day, we are still a team. We are still the United States of America. Amen? 
We're not divided, even though you might sense that, people might be talking about that, but we're not a divided nation. I would pray that we don't give to that division, but that we bring unity. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about that in just a bit. But as I said, you have your outline, take that out. If you have your Bibles, open up to Jeremiah chapter 3, where I'll be kind of looking at today. But let me jump right into the timeline, just so you're familiar with this. We're in the series, God's Grand Story. We've gone through the beginnings all the way back in Genesis uh, with Abraham, then through the wanderings in the books of Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, and Deuteronomy with Moses, and we went to the promised land, talking about Joshua taking the people into the promised land. And then last week, I spoke about the United Kingdom coming underneath uh, Saul and David and Solomon. So let me give you kind of a, a map of the area. Um, you see the big star over here, the land of Ur, is where Abraham came out of. Eventually, the Israelites ended up in Egypt in captivity, led out of there by Moses, but into the promised land by Joshua. And then the United Kingdom, last week, you remember Saul was the one who did not have a heart for God. Um, uh, David had a whole heart for God, and Solomon had what kind of a heart? Half a heart. Half a heart by God. Let me, let me show you then where the division comes about. Um, the northern kingdom, the kingdom of Israel, is, is of course up to the north. And then the southern kingdom, the kingdom of Judah, um, is towards the south. And, and the division happened there after Solomon died. And the kingdom uh, begins to crumble and divide. It actually began in Solomon's heart, unfortunately. And remember last week, we, we said why that came about. In chapter 11 of 1 Kings, um, verses 4 through 6. In fact, would you read these verses with me? Let's read them together. For when Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. So Solomon did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and did not wholly follow the Lord as David, his father, had done. And now the people begin to fall into that divided heart and there becomes a divided kingdom that begins to do the same thing. But in the midst of this uh, disobedient and divided people, God did not give up on them. I want you to hear that over and over and over again. Even though this is a tougher message to preach, it's about a division and people turning their hearts away from God, God does not give up on them. And so what he does is he calls out men to be prophets. And the prophets come before the people and say, Hey, get back in line. Get back in love with your God. Israel, Judah, if you're disobedient, here's what's going to happen. And they begin to lay out for them the things that take place. And the prophets, we can see some of them. Isaiah and Jeremiah and Hosea and Joel. And you see the other ones up there at the top, Amos, Obadiah, Micah. All those are prophets that God gave a word. And they went to the people and shared those thoughts. Much like if it was going to be here today in America. People would stand before us and say, hey, yes, if you ignore me, if God's word would come and God would speak, saying, if you ignore God, yes, you are going to have trouble. If you take me out of schools, yes, you will have gangs and violence and shootings. If you don't open up my word, 
Your morals will go wandering and won't be evident. You will begin to covet and you will have deep and severe debt. You, if you spend more time with Pokemon than you do with me, that yes, you will have problems. You will become lost. If you believe anything goes and if you do right in your own eyes and don't care about what others think, but it's just your evaluation, yes, yes, Life will be hard. And that's the message that, that really we should have prophets sharing with us here in America. Because it's as though we are really living in that day and age. Much like the Israelites back here around 900 B.C. We live in a day of prophets who have to share that message. We live in the day of a divided type of land. And let me remind you. The Israelites, we are so much like the Israelites only more so, I would say. Our hearts go wandering. We look for other things to be involved with. We turn from God. But again, we get, it's not a leader that's going to bring us back. It's our hearts being focused upon him. It's not going to be President Trump or President Clinton. It's only going to be God who comes in and shakes us up and wakes us up when we are open to him because he has not given up on us. And it's God who, who won't allow us just to do our own thing. Yes, he gives us free will. Yes, he gives us free choice. But he still speaks and he still calls us out. In fact, look at what he said through the prophet Jeremiah. Look at what he said back in Jeremiah chapter 3, verse uh, 6 through 9. Jeremiah says, The Lord said to me in the days of King Josiah, Have you seen what she did? That faithless one, Israel, how she went up on every high hill and under every green tree and there played the whore. And you thought some of the presidential debate uh, language was spicy, right? Huh? I mean, God's just laying it out. He's saying, He's been a wh- you've been a whore to me. Let me go on. He says, and I thought after she has done all this, she will return to me. But she did not return. And her treacherous sister, Judah, saw it. She saw that for all the adulteries of that faithless one, Israel, I had sent her away with a decree of divorce. Yet her treacherous sister, Judah, did not fear. But she, too, went and played the whore. Because... She took her whoredom, I didn't even know that was a word, but there it is. Because she took her whoredom lightly, she polluted the land, committing adultery with stone and tree. God's saying, hey, you've messed up. And he spoke it through the prophets. And let me give you the first of the two main messages that the prophets spoke. It's on your outline. Here it is. You can fill it in. God doesn't see people's sin as breaking the rules. He sees it as breaking the relationship. Let me say it again. He doesn't see sin as breaking the rules. He sees it as breaking the relationship. When we sin, we don't just break the law. We break God's heart. God has not been about the rules. God is all about the relationship with us, his people. That's why it hurts him so much when we get out of fellowship with him and when we 
do what we want to do. See, God didn't set up arbitrary rules so that we have to keep them. And when we don't, then he punishes us or he condemns us or, or, or he, 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 he doesn't operate like the cosmic cop saying, well, you went too fast, you're five miles over the speed limit, so here's your ticket, or here you need to pay this penalty, you need to pay that penalty. That, that, that's not why God set up those rules. God gave us guidelines to show us how to have a good relationship with him. And how to have a good relationship with other people that we know to make our lives better. He didn't do it so he can be the big killjoy up in the sky. That's not God's heart in all of this. But we know when we break those guidelines, there are consequences to what we do. And one of those consequences is, is God's anger upon us. Now, some of you might say, huh, God's for us and God loves us. How can he be angry. How can a loving God be angry? Well, let me, let me say it this way. Put yourself into the situation. Think of a good friend of yours. Maybe it's a, a uh, classmate. Maybe it's a work associate. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a boyfriend, girlfriend. Think of someone who, who, who you really, really care about and you really love. Now, imagine for just a moment that they get caught up in some sort of a drug habit or an addiction that you have to watch them go through as it's robbing them of their health, as it's robbing them of their finances, as it's robbing them of emotional well-being in life. And then imagine that they start pulling other friends of yours into that lifestyle. And they become hooked as well. And they start to lose that joy and their health and their finances and their well-being. How would you feel about that person? Not very good, huh? It'd be hard to sit there and watch that. I mean, some of you as parents and grandparents have gone through that struggle. And you've seen your children walk down that road. That breaks your heart. And there's an anger to that. There's a righteous anger to that, that God has, because he wants us so much to be right in line with him. God set up those guidelines because he knows what's best for us, and he knows what's best for the people around us. And when we stray outside of those guidelines, that's when we begin to hurt the relationship. That's when we begin to hurt other people around us. And since God is a loving God, he wants to be involved. He wants to take action when he sees us going down that path. And so God, even though he gives us free will and free choice, he tries to speak into our lives and say, no, don't, don't take that turn. Follow me. Follow this way. This is where I want you to go. And so that anger that God gets in the midst of that is a righteous anger because he doesn't like to see people get hurt. And so the word that came to Solomon about his land was this. In fact, it's in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. Would you read it with me? It's a very famous verse. You've probably heard it before, but read it. If my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, and I will forgive their sin and heal their land. That was so true as it was read, told to Solomon. So true for our land as well. That God has designed for his people 
who call him by name, that's us, that we would humble ourselves. We pray and seek his face and turn from our wicked ways. And then from heaven he he hears. And then from heaven he can heal the land. The Israelites were going through this struggle. And the scripture tells us as we track through the Old Testament that the kings who were in charge still didn't do it very well. In fact, up in that northern kingdom, we see that they have 19 kings. And of those 19 kings, absolutely zero of them were good kings. 19, 0 for 19. And of the southern kingdom of Judah, there's actually 20 kings. And of those 20 kings, only eight are good kings. And that's recorded here in Scripture. And you can go through the Old Testament and you can say, so-and-so is a good king, so-and-so is a bad king, so-and-so is a bad king, a bad king, a bad king, a bad king. There's a good king, there's a bad king. And I thought about this this week as I was reading through and I said, you know, what would it be like if history recorded what kind of a king we were? Think about this for just a moment. If you were chosen to be king or you were chosen to be queen, what would God said about your reign? Let me give you the answer. The answer is however you are doing in your life right now. Because you have your own little kingdom. I mean, it may be over your family. It may be over your place of work. You have people of influence that you are influencing in your life. And how is being written, how your story is being written for God is how you are doing right now. So don't just cast it into... Would I be a good king or a bad king when I got the privilege of doing that? It starts right here and right now as a person of influence, about being a witness. Let me show you an example of a parent who I think is on the way for being a good king. A couple weeks ago, we got this um, little paper in our offering. I don't know who it came from. Um, but it's a little gal who says, I love church, and she wrote a cross on here, and on the back side, here's what it says. If you can't read it, let me read it. She says, everybody should love God because he created us, and he built church. I love to go to church because I think it is good to learn about God and other things. I love when I come to church because when I was eight, I kept asking my mom, can I go to church and get, you see the word there, baptized. What a great word, huh? I want to get baptized, which, by the way, if you've not been baptized, you can do that today, or not do it, but you can learn about that after the service. But here's a little eight-year-old child, or a little bit older than eight now, saying, I want to go to church. I want to get baptized. I want to have the Lord in my life. Now, eight-year-olds don't just show up at church on their own. They come because parents or grandparents bring them. As you jump back into the Old Testament, remember the time after the, the, the promised land, when um, there was a whole generation of people that forgot God. You can see it in Judges chapter 2. It's in there. It says there arose a whole generation of people who did not go to church, who did not follow God's ways. And you see it happening here again with all the bad king after bad kings after bad kings after bad kings. Let me remind you of your influence. 
that for us not to have a whole generation of people coming behind us, we need little kids who want to come to church, who love to go to church, who preach a message like, I love God because he made me and created me. You know, there's a lot of adults who don't believe that today. And there's so much truth that this eight-year-old had. The, the Israelites, though, they kept struggling with this. But remember what kind of a God we have. We have a God who is always looking for his people, and he's looking for a remnant to follow him. And that's what he's looking after and desiring. And so here's the second main message that, again, is on your outline that the prophets share. They share this word. God continually offers an invitation to return to him. Come back, they would say. Follow his ways. He loves you. Love him back. Give him your heart. Not just your sacrifices, but your heart. Yes, your obedience is important. Follow him. Look at the prophet Joel. What he says about this. Joel chapter 2, verses uh, 12 through 14. It says, yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your hearts, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. I mean, garments being torn was a symbol of repentance and sorrow. God says, no, make that in your heart, not just your clothing, not just outwardly, but inwardly. Verse 13, and rend your hearts uh, and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is, now watch this, read this with me. He is what? He is, and he is what? Slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. And he relents over disaster. Well, that's what kind of God we have. That is amazing. Now, one day it won't be that way. One day when he comes again, then all of his anger and his wrath will be poured out. But those who know Christ will be protected from that. And God is desiring that every one of you here would do that. I mean, look what he says in verse 14. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God. You know, a few weeks ago, I was with the school in Washington, D.C. And uh, so, if you have a chance to go to Washington, D.C., do so. You will see men and women in history who had a profound faith. Um, we learned as we were um, going through Gettysburg and some of the Civil War battles, a lot about Abraham Lincoln. Abraham Lincoln was a man of God. And um, Abraham Lincoln, on March 30th, 1863, in the midst of the Civil War, that's right in the midst of the Civil War, you talk about a divided nation, that was a divided nation. And Abraham Lincoln knew, though, that the only hope was for him to unite and keep the land united was for us as people to bow before God. And so here's what he says. He called for a national day of prayer and fasting. And he called it that we needed to, um, he called the need for this, our national reformation as a whole people. He says, we have grown in numbers and wealth and power as no other nation has ever grown, he said. But we have forgotten God. Now, isn't that interesting? That way back then, when you would say, weren't they a Christian nation? Even Abraham Lincoln would step out and say, we have forgotten God in the midst of this. 
And he was adding that it's our duty to humble ourselves before the offended power before God to confess our national sins and pray for clemency and forgiveness. Folks, I just have to say, if it was good enough for Abraham Lincoln back in the 1860s, it is good enough for us. Amen? We need to do the same. And so my prayer is that at some point in time, between now and our elections, if you are not already making this a habit, that you would. Many people I know are choosing the the Monday before the elections on November 7th to to fast and to pray. We were just talking about Jolene Benton with the uh, Lamplighters class. They're actually going to um, take their class and you guys are going to fast and pray uh, during your Sunday school time. And together, uh, we need to be those kind of people. And I don't care if it's giving up a meal, two meals, a whole day meal, whatever it is. Seek the Lord's face. Hear his voice to you as you pray to him, as you follow out of 2 Chronicles, where you say, where he says, if my people are called by my name, will humble themselves. Seek my face. Then I can heal their land. And we need to be those kind of people. So I pray that you would take that step sometime between now and the election. Maybe it's a daily as well. Remember my challenge at 6 o'clock every night to continue to pray for our land and our country, but this being another step will help as well. And I love the message that Joel gives, the message of hope. Look at what it says there in verse 14. It says, and who knows that God might turn and relent and even leave a blessing behind for his people. God is so patient with us, and he loves us so much, and he gives us so many opportunities in fact, I love this verse out of 2 Peter. Um, read this with me. 2 Peter 3, 9. Read it. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise, as some count slowness, but is patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Man, God will come one day. And when he comes then those who have repented will be chosen with him. Those who have said yes to Jesus will be brought with him. And those who have not, those who have not repented, as this verse says, will not be there. You will not go to heaven. You will be cast forever into hell. But it says here, remember this, he's not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach that repentance. See, God is not just after you doing the right thing. He's after your heart. He's after repentance. He's after a heart that would follow him. And his call isn't just a call to judgment. It's a call to restoration. And folks, when you really think about that, that is just flat out amazing. That we would have a God like that, who is not saying, here I am on this high pedestal. Reach me. See if you can reach me. See if you can get to me. See if you can get to me. No. He's a God who sent his son Jesus into this world to die for us. To become one of us. And when we open our heart to him, he brings us into that fellowship with him. That, that is amazing. We take that way too much for granted. Way too much for granted. That that God who right now sees what's going on in Turkey and India and China and the Philippines and every other country around the world sees and is it right here, right now too, and he loves you. I love that um, we'll always be chasing you. I love that 
want your heart. And he does not want to share your heart with anyone or anything. In fact, let me say it this way. Let's revisit that illustration that I gave you at the beginning about someone who was caught up in a drug lifestyle and you have just seen the life sucked out of them. Let's say for a moment that that person is now you. Your consequent, or the, the, the choices you are making are recklessly hurting yourself and people around you. And let's say that some of those hurt friends still come to you and say, we still love you. We still care about you. And even though it's been a year or five years or ten years or twenty years, that there's still great hope for you. And we will always be here. And do you not think you would be humbled by those friends? Do you not think that, that those friends really are friends that will be with you forever? That's the kind of message God has given to us today. He's saying, I'll be here. I hate to see this go by. I hate to see the direction you're going when you're choosing your own way and you are just sucking the life out of your life and others. But I'm patient. And I don't want to see anyone perish. But I want all to come to repentance. That's the charge he gives to us, that he has not given up on you yet. This last week, I went out to visit um, a young man in the uh, county jail. Um, I remember him from about 15, 20 years ago here at our church. And his parents are here at the church, and they said, hey, you know, can you go out and see our son? He's made some bad choices in life. I said, absolutely. I'd be happy to do it. And I went out, and I sat across from him. I went into, checked in at the facility, and went back up to the place where they do the visitation, and it's through the glass window that you have to have the phone and talk to them. He came out, and he thought I was a lawyer. He was freaked out at the beginning. <laughs> he said, what else did I do? I said, I said no, 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 no. I, I said, remember me? And he did. He said, I remember you, absolutely. We used to go to church, and I remember you. And I, I said, how old were you back then? He said, oh, I was nine or ten I said, it's been a rough road, hasn't it? He's about 30 now. He said, yeah. He said, I've been making some bad choices. And as tears began to flow down his face, I reminded him, God is still the same God. God still loves you. And even though it's been 20, 21 years, and you've been making some bad choices, he still cares for you. I said, when are you getting out of here? He said, actually, they're going to let me out in a couple weeks. I said, then I want to see you on that Sunday at First Baptist. He said, Pastor Brett, I'll be there. I said, good. Because more than anything, God, he wants your heart. And it's not just about reforming your behaviors or your lifestyle here. It's about getting a hold of your heart. Even though these past 20 years have not been real good choices, that can change. He says, I'll be there. You know, some of you here today uh, are in an inward prison. You've been locking yourself in a prison. Maybe you're doing a, a sin that no one else even knows about here, but you do. And you felt locked up, and God today is saying, no, you can be freed from that. Repent. Come to me. I am here for you. As the prophets of old had said this, they say, 
Don't break the rules with God. Don't break the relationship with God. Get it right. He's a God who loves you, who cares about you, who wants you back in the family. That message is for all of us. And so whether you feel like you're living in a divided land or a divided kingdom, or maybe you're even your household has been divided, today's a day that you can get it right. At the same time, we need to be praying for our country. We need to be praying for our land. And we need to be people of prayer. And so as we go to a time of prayer right now, I just ask that you block out every other distraction that may be uh, around today and that we might just focus on the Lord personally first and then as a people in this land going before God. So let's pause for a moment, let's pray, and let's ask God's hand to be upon us now. God, we, uh, we come before you as people broken. We come before you as people who do not have the answers in life, but we know the one who does. We're addressing him now. It's you. And so, God, I thank you for your patience. I thank you for your love. I thank you for your compassion. I thank you for your mercy. And, folks, if there be anyone here today who for the first time or a recommitment is ready to say, I'm giving it up, I'm done, God, I'm focusing on you now, then may you listen to God's Holy Spirit beat upon your heart. And may you listen to these words. God is wildly in love with you. Even with what you have been doing, he's in love with you. He hates to see you go down that road, though. It's hurting you. It's hurting others. And so today, would you make a commitment to give it up, whatever it may be, to drop it before the Lord? That's why he went to the cross. Because you couldn't pay for that sin. He can. He's the only one who did. And so today, if you be a follower of Jesus and you know there's something in your life, just confess that to him now. Say, God, I I don't want to walk down this road anymore. I'm turning, I'm repenting, I'm following you. And for others of you, maybe you haven't made that first-time decision yet. Today is the day to say, God, today I receive you as Lord and Savior. I might not know everything about this decision, but I know enough. To say, Lord Jesus, would you come into my life? God, I give my life to you. I believe in your son, Jesus. I ask for forgiveness of sin. And I choose today to repent, to follow you. You know, if that was your decision today, after the service is over, if you would talk to the friend who brought you or come talk to me or out at our Next Step Center, we we just want to help you take that step of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We want to help you grow in that faith. But today, God has seen your heart. And if you've said yes to him, welcome to the family. A united family joined with others. God, thank you for your incredible forgiveness. Thank you for your incredible grace. As a country, we bring our land before you. God, we seek your face. We humble ourselves. We ask for you to heal our land. And as individuals, as we do that, Lord, may it start with us. Every one of us, this week, you go before the Lord, seek his face, and let him speak to you about how you can bring healing to your own little kingdom. Because God, even though we know it's your kingdom, we kind of treat it as our own. We have influence. We have people in our lives. And so, Lord, may we just know that really our little kingdom that we think we've built is really all yours. 
And all together it forms a united community here at First Baptist Church. God, we want to be people who follow you. We want to be people who, who follow your ways in every aspect, whether it be a sin, whether it be reconciliation, whether it be with our finances, whether it be gossip, whatever it is, Lord, call it out on us. May we follow you united as a church family making a difference in this community. Father, thank you for your incredible love for us. You are everything. We focus upon that now. Even now as we close in the song of worship and praise, Lord, may that song cut to our hearts, cut out all the other things that are in there. God, may we be focused solely upon you, for we love you. That's why we sing now. It's in the name of Jesus we pray.